Every day at America's Card Room, players just like you are scoring big in record time with Jackpot Poker. Jackpot Poker is a super fast three-player online poker set and go. You pick the buy-in, and after all three players are seated, we randomly pick the jackpot. Yep, just three players. No more, no less. And for most jackpot poker tournaments, it's winner take all. Imagine turning a $40 buy-in into the ultimate $100,000 game of poker. Anything could happen with jackpot poker. Play it now at America's Card Room. Okay, welcome to Ask Alex episode 78 on the OneOuter.com podcast, sponsored by AmericasCardRoom.com. If you want to get 27% rate back from AmericasCardRoom.com, Simply sign up for your account by clicking on one of the adverts or banners on the oneouter.com webpage. Follow us on Twitter at oneouter.com and join the Facebook group, facebook.com slash group slash oneouter. This episode and all other previous episodes are on oneouter.com website and via iTunes for free. If you want to send questions in for Alex on a future show, the best way is to email questions at oneouter.com or tweet them, or Facebook them, and we will get them read out eventually. Alex, after all the introduction, how are you this week? I'm good, man, I'm good. Chilling, chilling. You know, how, yeah. how you been, man? Good, yeah, yeah. Uh, not chilling, but good. Well, <laughs> I, I chilled yesterday, I chilled yesterday. That's good. Um, I watched your battle. Uh, ah, ah good time, good that. time. Eventually. I actually watched Straight Outta Compton last night, uh, so maybe... <laughs> It reminded me today, like, oh, I gotta watch Alex's battle. That's a so. that's a pretty high standard. That's like, <laughs> I, I mean, that's like, yeah, that's like, yeah. I I watched a documentary on Richard Branson's new uh, plane that can go to the moon, and then I remembered Alex made a paper airplane the other day, and I thought it was really cool. Like, but yeah, yeah. What you oh, think? I enjoyed it. Although when you told me like the boxing gym and stuff, like in my head I had it even dingier and darker. <laughs> you know? Like it was more eight mile, like, you know, yeah, a burst yeah. pipe in the corner or something and a flickering light or that, you know? Yeah. Uh but you know, I did uh, it had those uh the ceiling, you know, like the panels that could like come down as soon as you throw up throw something up at it. Yeah. Uh, you know, <laughs> it had it had those type of panels and yeah, it looked like a good time, and it looked like yeah, you had fun and stuff. Oh, um, yeah, I, I, from 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 memory, I think like I think you won this first one, like in my mind. I don't think it said the result on the video, did it? it, it the, I'm sorry. Did it say the result at the end of the video? And they didn't. They didn't do a result. This no, time. no, this, no. Yeah, yeah. Because Cannon wanted to say something political, and I I thought that was honestly probably the better. What you're trying to do, I mean, these are essentially products at the end of the day, right? So I, I was, you know, I think it'd be a better product because he's always wanted to talk about that. So I said, yeah, okay. And then it's not really fun. It's not really fine to like judge it then because like if he really wants to win the battle, you know, it's it's gonna be it's gonna be a lot of white jokes for that crowd, you know. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> I watched it and I remember that there wasn't it, but. I thought, you know, the first one, uh, like if I was Mark, you know, I thought I thought you won the first one. And I can't remember, like, the delay. I think it was the third one. that Was that the choke when you were on about, like, the, yeah. the good clothes? Yeah, yeah that, but, uh, that, yeah. That, that, that was just a messy round. Like, Well, like, the whole, the whole problem was my third round before was just really nasty and, like, really mean, right? And then... You know, like a couple weeks ahead of time, they're like, yep, and you guys are going to be battling in a gym with a bunch of 250-pound Mexican boxers. And I go, well, there went all my <laughs> racial jokes. 
So, you know, I I thought, well, if he wants to do a political thing, I'll do a political thing, right? And then, yeah, I, 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 I didn't forget a whole lot. I forgot, like, one, I guess you'd call it a stanza, but that that was pretty much it. But, like, in actual time, like, they cut it out in the video. Cannon was pretty cool. He he wanted it cut out, so we cut it out. But uh-huh. it, it was like an entire minute of me just sitting up there. I could have like grabbed my cell phone and you know just gone to that part of the battle and then restarted. But I thought, uh, it, I, I I think you, it, I, I I don't know. It, something about that to me seemed like really awful. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. Hang on a minute till I get yeah, my notes. One, yeah. <laughs> one guy did that recently in a battle, and it was like the saddest looking thing you'd ever seen. He used to be yeah. one of the biggest names in the game, but yeah, no, I'm glad you enjoyed it, man. That's cool. Yeah, yeah, it was good. It was good. And I, I to be fair, I thought the third one he wasn't as uh, on it in the third, like from my. You know, yeah. Just from a total viewer that doesn't understand right, all the real right. mechanics and stuff, but I thought he was pretty not weak, but just like a bit flatter in the third one from what he was. Yeah, and it was just like so. Yeah, it was it was to, pretty close. To, to me, I, the, when I heard round three, I thought it was pretty much you know it, I, I thought it was pretty bad. But when I got home and I listened to, I listened to it so many times, like doing the subtitles. There's a lot of like there's a lot of subtle lines he put in there. The problem is he does it like uh, it, it's like slam poetry the third round, right? And then like that—that that obviously is pretty jarring in a rap battle. But there's I don't I don't know like there, I remember sitting there and like when he goes you know fight fighting the gambling teacher preacher who sins for the ten percent I was like Jesus right like and then the, you know the truth like you Alex after a couple. Uh, the truth like you Alex after a couple alcoholic beverages I was like come on dude like Jesus like that was pretty brutal but yeah I thought uh, I don't I don't know I think I, I I think both of our third rounds could have been a lot better I thought round if we kept it up like it was in round two like that would have been a pretty classic battle but the thing to remember is I think it's like his sixth battle and it's like my third you know what I mean yeah. so there's yeah. Yeah, it's definitely it's definitely a work in progress. I'm just looking forward to the next one. I'm gonna actually yeah, you enjoy it, you know. Yeah, exactly. And, and everyone, everyone listening, if you've not seen it, if you're late to the the party like me, then definitely go and uh, get it. Just search Assassinato Battle online yeah. uh, on YouTube, actually, and uh, it'll yeah, come up with first or second video. Yeah, Assassinato yeah. Rap Battle, and it's a yeah, it's second or third or something like that. Yeah, I actually yeah. had to look that up yesterday. I had to send in. My friend told me I should go out for this one league, and uh, it, you know they talked to me and we talked. So I just I was like, can they see my rap battles if they just Google it? And it was like, yeah, it's right, it's right there at the top. I was worried because assassinato means murder in Portuguese, so sometimes you Google that and you get you know like a Faces of Death compilation, which is. Yeah. Did you guys have those videos? In, uh, yeah, we, we sometimes, uh, well, they'd sometimes pop up there or go around on a, like a video or a CD at school or something. And, Jesus, yeah, uh, that was crazy stuff. Yeah, it, it was fucked up. Yeah, I, rem- I, rem- I remember that the other day. I was like, we used to just like crowd around and like watch old ladies get run over by trains. And it's like, you know, <laughs> and they wonder like, what happened to this generation? It's like, I know. Well, now they're watching beheadings in the desert. Yeah, and stuff. yeah. I, I refuse like, to watch all that stuff. Uh, there was, yeah, there you, was, the ISIS stuff's 
crazy. Some of that. You know, man. and I, wa- I watched, I, I watched like an Isis video recently because it was like I need to know what's going on. So, you know, when I see the people just go like, "Oh yeah, whatever," you know, I, yeah. Isis, no big deal. Let's not get involved. Like I, you know, I always remember exactly what what is going on. And yeah, uh, yeah, <laughs> real, yeah, real. Yeah, like the mood is taking a rather, uh, you know, downward turn. Yeah, this um, has, yeah, yeah. Let's bring it back up again. There's a good yeah. ISIS line in that battle. Look at. Look. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I, caught, I caught that one. Caught that yeah, one. yeah. Um, so, what else has been happening? You've been playing much. You've been. Oh, I saw your your banging away on your book. You're writing your book. Oh yeah. Uh, you're getting on with that. You're nearly at a hundred thousand words, I think. Yeah, I uh, across ninety thousand words yesterday. So that was uh, that. Uh, that was definitely cool because I, I think most nonfiction books are I, I think like maximum one hundred and twenty thousand words. Like they're they're shorter than novels. Like a yeah a novel's typically one hundred and eighty thousand words. And really, the thing is consistency. Like, if you write 2,000 words a day, every day, you'll finish the Lord. I figured this out one time. If you write, if you write 2,000 words a day, every day, you will finish the Lord of the Rings trilogy in 323 days or something like that, right? So it's just about consistency. And then, you know, I tried to ratchet it up now that I finally, you know, around Christmas, like my life was just in like complete disarray and I had to like take a week or two to figure it out. And I, I, I couldn't find time to write. It was just really difficult with all the things going on. And that, that's kind of a problem when you have a contract, which is, you know, like, uh, and you've not got like nine bestsellers behind you. Yeah, exactly. I just need six months at my cabin in Lake such and such. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. (laughs) So, I mean, this is kind of, Tim Ferriss has these, I think he has a new TV show about like rap and learning. And one of the things he always does is like, he, you know, he plays high stakes, right? Like if he's going to learn, if he's going to learn how to speak a language, like I think it was like at the end of the week, he had to do a six minute conversation on a television station in that country. So it was like, he had to learn Tagalog in the Philippines. So he was going to go on their local TV station and speak to Gallog for six minutes. You know, when you have that hanging over your head, you figure it out, right? Like, and then, yeah, with the fact that I actually had to get it delivered by a certain day, and I kind of liked that the timeline was pretty tight, right? So it forced me to figure it out. And yeah, I've been figuring it out, and I've been writing 3,000 words a day, which has definitely been tougher, but it's a, it's, it's a lot easier to write than it is to edit. Editing is incredibly boring but like writing is like really uh, it's fun to me to see like the ideas get to the page and yeah almost got that uh almost wrapping that up hoping to wrap up like the initial manuscript by february and then i send it in and uh i'm gonna get you know literally like 500 600 papers sent back to me just marked to death and read and then i have to you know i have to fix it up from that but yeah i haven't been uh other, and then New York, New York bestseller. New York Times summer. bestseller. Yeah, yeah that's, <laughs> that's right. Every everybody's gonna go. You know, I uh, we didn't know how to figure out Card Runner's EV on Good Morning America, <laughs> but now we do. Yeah. Like, uh, yeah. Uh, but yeah, other than that, uh, I essentially every day I've been waking up. I've been doing poker lessons. I've been, uh, uh, I, I, I I've been writing. 
Uh, I've been working on webinars. I have a bunch of webinars coming up. I have two in production. And uh, I have a lot written down for a third one, actually. We're really going to try to do webinars. That's going to be the thing uh, for this year. And, Any sort of broad strokes on topics on those two in production? Uh, a, a lot of it is just I'm realizing I can throw as much data out there as I want, right? Like the Myth of Poker Talent, that book is going to have so much information. It's insane. Like literally you could take – there's probably 200-plus chapters in it. And, I mean, if I really wanted to milk it, I could just take each chapter – uh, I mean, there's 200-plus sections, right, maybe maybe like 15 chapters or something. But, like, I could take so many of those sections and just make it into a webinar, right? But I realize, you know, that's pretty much what every other trainer is doing is they're just kind of milking it, right? I really want people to get better, and I'm trying to, I'm trying to explore what really makes people better. And a lot, yeah. a lot of it is just, like, purposeful practice and – uh, habit like in there's but it, it's not as you know everybody does that you got to do the work you got to do the work and a lot of people don't know what the work looks like right like they don't yeah. know how to study they don't know how to apply so uh we're making a bunch of webinars uh the first one i'm doing with john wood and we're talking about uh it, it's essentially all the evidence there is for uh it, it's more about like clearing your mind from what is going to clearing your mind from all the misconceptions that can come up in giving you a professional mindset when you enter poker, uh, enter poker. And there's, because I realize there's so much junk that people have internalized. That's just not true about this game. And what you do actually need to internalize is sometimes never spoken of. Right. And, uh, yeah, the second one is going to be, uh, the second one, I, I don't want to say this concept because it's a pretty good one, and I, you know, I, I yeah. do have some stiffer competition these days, so I, I just don't want uh, somebody. I, I, I saw the other day. I, I, there's a new series on uh, YouTube. It's called Ask Alec. It's uh, <laughs> Alec Torelli. Right. Like, yeah. no, I'm sure it's a complete coincidence. Right. But I was laughing my ass off when I saw that. I was like, you only changed one letter. Right. <laughs> like you changed one letter. Right. But yeah, I saw that as a promoted. Uh, I saw that as a promoted uh, video on my Facebook feed. I was like, damn it. Like, but yeah, <laughs> by the way, those promoted Facebook posts are really fun. So they're like, yeah, you know, like drop a couple dollars on your Facebook post to boost it. I was like, cool. Right. It's crazy how few people click on anything, right? Oh, so, yeah, yeah. yeah, like you'll 507 people saw this and two people clicked on it. Would you like to put down another couple dollars? Like, nah, <laughs> I'm good, right? You know, a dollar a click isn't really doing that well for me. Uh, but uh, yeah, you know, I've been working on the webinars and then, uh, uh, late, you know, at night I've been. I mean, I'm just, I'm, I'm taking it back to the basics, you know, a lot of coffee, a lot of play, uh, playing music, a lot of working, uh, a lot of playing poker, and, you know, just uh, uh, just been chilling. I've been really into this Spotify thing, man. I didn't know what Spotify was till recently, because I was, I was just such an old fogey, right? Like, my, my, uh, do you know what's my, uh, do you use Spotify? Yeah, my, my girlfriend's had it for literally years. Really? Uh, yeah, yeah. And my little nephew, six, uses it on his iPad. 
It's which incredible. is funny. Yeah, but uh, I don't have one. I don't have it myself. It's incredible. Well, it's like, okay, this was my music collection, like, from when I was a kid. Like, this is how I used to get CDs when I was a kid, which was I would sit on the computer and I would open up allmusic.com and I would find the track listing for an album. And then I would sit there multi-tabling between LimeWire, BearShare, and whatever, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Remember LimeWire, right? You you destroy your computer. Your $1,200 computer would get destroyed. Yeah, 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 for $4 worth of music. And then, uh, yeah, it was... uh, I would essentially do that like track by track, right? And a lot of times, you you know, the track would not download all the way or nobody would have song six and it would drive me nuts, right? And uh, yeah, I mean, I started like that. Then, you know, I was still in the tape. Uh, you know, I was still back in the day when people like passed mixtapes and people passed, you know, like burned CDs. And it's like, you got to hear yeah. this group, right? And a lot of the groups I heard like growing up, like turned out to be like really big bands. And then, and then it's like, I think of my music collection before this, and it was like, it's like four, iPod, four iPods, an iPhone, uh, a co- you know, a couple different hard drives, a hard drive in the cloud, four laptops and stuff, and it was never all together. And I was just, I was looking up, 99% of this stuff is on Spotify, right? Not to mention there's albums like I could never find before like i i would have had to import them from like japan for 45 dollars and then uh-huh. you know half the time you did that they just sent you the american copy of the album and you're screwed because ebay didn't used to be as good as it is now you know but like yeah. uh, it, it's uh yeah so i've been geeking out on that right i've just been making crazy playlists for everybody and then yeah it's, uh, that's been that's been pretty fun the I made a workout playlist for a bunch of my friends who were like, yo, man, put, put together, you know, put together the rap that I can work out to. And then, you know, that, that was pretty cool. Like just <laughs> trying to find every track that makes you want to like, you know, throw, throw your TV through the window or something. <laughs> so yeah, it's been a, it's been a good time, man. I've been, I've been working hard. Not a lot, not, not much that ex- that's exciting, but yeah, life's good. You know what I mean? Good, good. Uh, quick movie talk. Cause oh, I right. I, gotta, I, I, I did not reciprocate. I, hey, man, have you seen any movies lately? <laughs> there you go. <laughs> well, yeah, I just uh, I was just thinking there, one I did watch that I enjoyed. Or, well, it was strange, weird, that I didn't expect. Uh, Predestination. Have you seen that? Predestination. No, no. It sounds familiar. Ethan, Ethan Hawke. Oh, uh, I already know everything about the movie. Okay, continue. All right. Yeah. <laughs> Ethan Hawke. Well, j- yeah, he's just the best saying, check TV it out. guy. Yeah, anyway, ever. Go ahead. Yeah, check it out. It's uh, it's worth watching. Is it, That's all, all I'm going to say on it. Just, just I'm check sorry, it. You don't, know don't read anything about it. Don't No trailer. That's what nothing. you got to do. Just watch it, yeah. Speaking of movies like that, have you ever seen The Tin Drum, the German movie? No, it was, I don't think so. It, dude, this is like... This is the most bizarre movie I've ever seen. My wife was like, you ever hear that movie, The Tin Drum? I was like, yeah, it's about, like, the drummer boy during World War II, right? And then, yeah, yeah, and it was like, we should watch that tonight. I've never saw that, right? So we put it on. It's like a three-hour movie. It's about, yeah. it's about like, a three-year-old kid who never grows older, and when he screams, he can break glass, right? And uh, it's set during World War II, uh, not you know the rise of the Nazi Party and whatever and it's like yeah there's a there's a scene where uh, 
I, 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 I'm not going to spoil it, but yeah, the kid doesn't get older. Uh, okay, the kid doesn't get... He doesn't get physically older, but he gets mentally older. So at one point, he has like a girlfriend, even though he still looks three years old. Yeah, and tw- yeah. yeah it, I was like, man, I was like, you know, they always talk about like kids these days are so deranged. I'm like, um, this was the '70s, like, and yeah. there's some pretty heavy stuff in this movie. I saw that movie Steve Jobs. I thought I thought it was such a. I'm so sick of these movies, dude. It's like, I've not watched it yet, but I do have it to watch. Oh, God, dude. It, I mean, it's like, it, it's fine. It's like clever and it's interesting, but I'm so sick of this. Like, I'm a complete genius and I yeah. can talk to anybody however I please. And of course, the critics love that because secretly they wish they were smart enough that everybody in high school who never liked them could really doubt themselves when they became the next Steve Jobs, right? So. Just, yeah, everybody was like, you know, we're going to the movie. It's like, oh, man, every critic loves this. And I was telling everybody, I was like, it's not going to be that good because critics just love Steve Jobs. And they make Steve Jobs look like he was a pretty good guy. And I was like, you know, the guy was supposed to be an innovator. He wasn't supposed to be a guy you'd have a beer with. And he was actually a pretty weird person who wasn't really kind to people. They just totally... He just never recognized his daughter and just wasn't around and stuff. And they make it look like his daughter was really a big part of his life in the movie. I was like, no, no. Yeah. I remember reading their articles when it came out, uh, when, she, when he died, right, or the interviews. But, yeah, it was just uh, – was it this movie? Uh, what was it? Uh, this movie, Sherlock and uh, Dr. House. Uh, I I hate all this crap. Like I'm a genius. I can be an asshole to everybody. Like it's like uh-huh. no 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 you don't. Like I don't care how smart you are. Not not fascinating to me. Like yeah if you're if you're fixing my tumor, I guess Doctor House gets a pass. But <laughs> yeah, yeah I guess, I guess I guess he gets a pass. You you can cuss at me as long as you cure my cancer. Let's get into. Let's get let's, let's get into yeah. questions, yeah. But predestination, Alex and listeners, do do check that out if you've not watched it. It's it's, it's interesting. It was only made a couple of years ago as well. Not many original sort of interesting films come out, you know, like yeah. the recent year. So definitely check it out. Okay, let's get into the questions for this week. And the first one is from Mika. Is there anything else I should do to prepare for a coaching lesson from you? For example, poker books, training software, or identify my leaks from Holdem Manager 2. I have picked up some pointers from the one-hour podcast, though. You guys do a killer podcast. Keep up, please. So anything you should do to prepare for a coaching lesson from you? Okay. Uh, I, I would really recommend – I mean, this, go, this goes for if you're going to go talk to any coach, right? So it, before you get in there, I would really recommend – Pick a, I mean, this just goes for how you should learn. Try to pick a concept that's uh, – find an article or a video that explains a concept that's just beyond your grasp, right? Uh, take a look at – take a look at – and the trash guy is here, so sorry about that. <laughs> but, yeah, he, uh, uh, but take a look at uh, – be sure to filter your earnings by position and uh, in Hold a Manager 2 or Poker Tracker. And try to take a look at where you think there could be improvement. Generally, where people can improve the fastest is in the big blinds. Uh, my, my big blind with Annie's is negative 14, which means 86% of the time I do not pay the big blind. That's on PokerStars, the toughest website, and that's at the highest stakes tournament. So I know that's possible. That's over 350,000 hands. 
Uh, so if yours is at, I've seen a lot of guys at like negative 50, negative 40. Uh, there, there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of potential for rapid improvement. Uh, so, you know, similar token, uh, be sure to also look at like the EV big blind, uh, see, see what, you know, perhaps you're just running bad in certain situations. And, uh, the small blind, uh, you know, you should really have that around like negative 20, negative 10. I mean, negative 15, negative 10. If you, uh, if you're going a little higher than that, you got to, uh, there's some people it's like, it's negative 25. That's definitely a source of improvement. And then, uh, you know, if you just see, you know, your opening, you know, if your early position is really bad, that means you're probably opening too much. Uh, try to look at your numbers, try to figure out where possibly the leak is. And then, uh, you know, take a picture of that and have that prepared for the lesson. Because a lot of times people, they want to show me their positional statistics. And then, like, we get to the lesson and their, you know, their statistic tracking software doesn't really work, right? And then, uh, and then you know, they, we end up wasting a few minutes trying to figure it out. And those minutes to you are pretty precious, you know what I mean? So you don't want uh, to do that. So just take a screenshot of it and have it prepared for the guy. Then try to, uh, try, try to figure out exactly, uh, try to figure out exactly what you want to improve upon. Find the relevant articles for that. Go ahead and play. Uh, mark the, try to, you should read everything you want to apply that day should fit on a sticky note. Uh, it, it sh, you should have like a sticky note you can put on your computer and you should be able to reduce everything. So I'm actually making one of these for a webinar and like as an example, I show like five paragraphs I read one time and then I show the sticky note I used after it. And the sticky note of course is way easier to read. And then you'll end up coming up with your own like symbol language and stuff. And just pretty much every, you know, you got to make sure you're checking that sticky note all the time, right? I think it's better if it's a physical sticky note because if you, you know, there are there is a sticky note uh, function on uh, there is a sticky note fu function on uh, on computers, but at the same time, when it it just becomes part of the background of your desktop, a lot of times you'll just forget it. Whereas if it's physically there, you know, I, I kind of make myself like, uh, you know, I, I kind of make myself like flick it every once in a while or look at it before I go on to a break. That's much easier. And then, yeah, when you go in like that and then you mark the hands for review and then you try to, you read the text again, then you watch your marked hands and you see what you can figure out. And then a lot of times in my experience, something will just come out at you that didn't make, maybe you read a sentence before that didn't really make sense. Now it really makes sense, right? So then you should refine your sticky note, make a new one, and then go ahead, reapply. This is how you should be teaching yourself before you get to a, uh, before you get to a coach, right? And then eventually you're going to get a handful of hands and a handful of concepts you just can't figure out. Uh, or if you want to expedite this process, right? You could go through all the books and not really know what to fix and for what reason, right? The reason I value my lessons so much more than my competitions is because if you show me your big blind winnings per hundred in every position, I can tell right away where the improvement can come in and how you can do it, right? And then I can give you the materials for how that, that can work, right? So 
And a lot of times the materials are like I made dissecting the dog bed and that's a check raise fool specifically for improving people's big blind play. And then uh, you flat too much is, is about three betting. Uh, a lot of people are really afraid to three bet with their mediocre hands. And it's all about how you can do that and be more profitable. And if you have one of those leaks, I can just send you, you know, like here's a four hour lecture of me talking about that. Go ahead, pick specific concepts and then, apply it right a lot of people don't do that they just sit around and it's like yeah show me a few hand histories they watch 68 hands and they go do this not that do this okay thank you for your money you don't you don't want to get a coach like that and furthermore you do not want to instigate a lesson like that have your positional uh statistics and then a lot of people a lot of people ask me well what if i don't have a database well then bring a hand history and uh Generally, what the coach should do is filter for a couple things that you did, right? And then, uh, so like I, I have a few, uh, I, I can watch you. The biggest improvements generally that you could make are found in the big blind. So like for one example is I could just filter for the hands in the big blind and see how you played those, right? And then mm -hmm. I can just watch eight hands and get a really good idea as to what I can improve and how rapidly but what you don't want to do is just show up with a mediocre hand history you didn't really have prepared uh, and, uh, you know, just give it to the guy and the guy watches it for a while and gives some ideas. And then you, I, I don't really think that's worth the price of admission. You're trying to, you know, it, uh, the it, like if you were going to a mechanic, he wouldn't hop in the car with you, watch you drive it and say like, okay, take a left turn here. Or yeah. like, you, you know what I mean? Like, okay, you're, you're coming in a little heavy on that, right? You know, and that's about it. He would open the, he would open the trunk and see what's in there. And uh, a, a lot of people just don't do that when they're teaching. So, yeah, uh, uh, I, I think that's, uh, you know, mark the hands for review. Get your positional statistics. Uh, also, write down any time you have a question and you can't find the answer for it, write, write it down. And then just have the best – this is how uh, my best students, like the guys who went from like $20 MTTs to like playing high rollers, uh, like Nasa114. Uh, when I met him, he was playing $20 MTTs. The way he got so good so fast is every time he showed up in a lesson, he had specific hands he couldn't figure out, specific questions he couldn't figure out, specific, you know, uh, specific things that he wanted to work on. And if he didn't have that, he asked me, what, what would you improve upon uh, taking a look at these statistics? And he improved very, very rapidly. So I uh, hope that helps you. Okay. And uh, just a little plug in, Alex. People do want to get use you as a coach. Uh, yeah. you, very, you very modestly were saying uh, anyone else, but we all know there's only one coach. Yeah, that's right. That's right. That's right. So how can people get in touch with you? assassinatocoaching at gmail.com if you guys want to talk to me about private coaching and also we're going to have webinars coming out about this rapid learning process so sign up on uh, pokerheadrush.com for the newsletter and you will get uh, you will get updates every Thursday about what we have going on and when the new webinars are out you'll get to see that as well so yeah pay attention okay and uh, right into the next question where will we go? We'll go with okay. It's another sort of technical one in uh, your software wizardry. Uh, <laughs> um, it is from Riard again. And hi, Alex. 
I have recently started using ICM eyes yeah. <laughs> uh, to analyze few hands where I was not sure about push full play in a tournament. Could you explain the difference between ICM percentage EV and chip EV calculations? And when each of these are more important when reviewing hands, thanks. Okay, so uh, ICM stands for independent ship modeling. The idea behind uh, ICM is, like, if you have very few chips in a tournament, those chips are very precious because, uh, obviously, your entire potential for growth, your potential to win the tournament are wrapped up in very few chips. Therefore, each individual one is more valuable. Whereas... If you have a ton of chips, uh, your risk of ruin isn't really wrapped up in each individual chip as much, more, more so. Nor, the other thing is, like, having a ton of chips doesn't necessarily ensure winning the tournament where the lion's share of the money is. So you're kind of in this uh, gray zone, which makes it so the chips just aren't worth as much, uh, just, just because there's not as few of them and wrapped up uh, there's not as few of them that are wrapped up with all your potential in the tournament and uh your potential to lose as well so uh icm has been a way for people to you know try try to calculate that a lot of people don't understand this but it is uh, a bit of an inexact science a lot of the stuff that used to get quoted as fact uh i disagree with i i see where they're coming from i i just i i disagree with like if you used uh, Sit and Go Wizard back in the day, as I did, it had you making some preposterous folds at Turbo Final Tables and stuff that I, I really didn't care for. Uh, it, but it, it was—it's always interesting to get this uh, line of thought and, and to think about it. Um, ICM is really important when there's a payout jump forthcoming, like very soon, because like uh, just for obvious reasons, like you can enter. I remember one time I'd never stalled in my life, but just uh, I, I did have an ICM thing. I did have an ICM calculator on my iPhone. I found well, I, a friend of mine found one that I found it. Then I broke that iPhone. I haven't had it, but at the time, uh, at the time, uh, I I looked it up and I realized in like a W coup main, it was like, oh, my stack here right now is worth four thousand two hundred ninety one dollars. If I min cash, I get 12,000, right? So I was like, huh, if I double up my chips here, I don't even go to like $8,000 worth of chips, right? I go to like $7,400 worth of chips. So my, but if I lose here, if I lose all my chips, my, I, if, I, if a few other people busted, my chips would have tripled in value, like just like that, right? So in that case, ICM-wise, it was like if somebody opened, like if, if in that case, like if somebody opened the button and I had Ace Ten off in the big blind with a 12x or whatever it was, I had a really good reason to fold, right? That's not something I would typically do. And furthermore, I had a really good reason to stall, and uh, I, I didn't want to stall. I, I really, I, it, in my old school mind, that was a really wussy tactic, you know, and, but at the same time, I could see the numbers right there, and I was like, God, what do I do? But no worries, I ran queens into the mighty Jack-10, and I couldn't crack it, and uh, I busted anyway, but that, that's like a really good example. Uh, final table ICM is really interesting as well. Uh, there's a lot of times 
there's a lot of times just you're in the middle of the pack, but there's like three or four short stacks, like really short. You have to have a really good reason to play. Uh, generally, if you uh, want to be playing, you should move all in on people, not be calling off. Because when you call off versus another big stack, you essentially just walk around the table and, you know, $100 for you and $100 for you, $100 for you, and let's flip. And uh, those are the situations where ICM is really important. When you're really far away from a payout jump, uh, if you run the ICM numbers and you run the chip EV numbers, they're going to be very close. So a lot of times in my, uh, a lot of times like in my book, The Myth of Poker Talent, I don't, uh, I, I, I don't use like ICM, uh, re- I, I don't use ICM for a lot of our calculations. We just do chip EV because it's the fastest to teach and it's going to be applicable 98% of the time. And uh, the other 2% of the time I do address in short fashion, but uh I realized I was going to feature ICMizer pretty heavily in that book, but then I realized it's one of those things like uh, the Pareto principle. What is the uh, what is the 20% of input that gets you 80% of the results? Well, this would be, you know, writing about ICMizer would be the, you know, it would have been like 20% of the book, and it would have only helped you with very few spots, right? So, and I think ICMizer too. Like I, I've talked to the guys who. Uh, they, I've talked to the guys who've made that, uh, uh, who made that software. They're very knowledgeable guys. I think they do a great job of explaining it on their own. Whereas, it, so I thought I could really leave that alone for the book and people could figure that out. Uh, whereas Cardrunner's EV is explained well, but I don't think a lot of people know how to use it, right? And uh, I, I don't think they know how to use it in a vast majority of cases that would be really good. But yeah, it's uh you know, it's always good to go through this. I've done a lot of these. Uh, it's been pretty interesting. Uh, I, I think the newer ICM tools are much better than the older stuff that I used to have to deal with. So I, it certainly doesn't hurt. There's also, uh, I think there's lesson plans now with ICMizer too. So I would really recommend you check that stuff out if you haven't done so already. Okay. Um, oh, and if you buy that program, buy it through the our Twitch site, and uh, you know put put a little win in the sales of the pirate ship we have here at one hour, as, which is twitch.com uh, twitch.tv slash the assassinato. Sorry, I should have said I should have said that. Yeah, but yeah, yeah, yeah you should have. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, I think we got yeah we do we got forty two minutes we got time for both these questions. So uh-huh. do you want? You want uh we got another technical yeah, one. Yeah, give me the I easy think. one to finish. Give me the Yeah, okay, okay. So right, the next one is a technical one then. It is from Tom. I would like to know Alex's thoughts on playing the button these days. A lot of the time people don't uh give enough credit to razors on the button. Right. And so many players obviously play a wider range from here. Just looking for any pointers of what I should be thinking about and exploiting. Love the show, thanks. Yeah, that's right. That's a pretty technical question. These are all really good questions, though, and it's just stuff that every every week I have to write this strategy article for my newsletter, and I'm kind of pressed because I don't know what people are thinking of, and you guys always have good questions, so thank you for that. And there, there, it's stuff. It's like, God, if I was starting today, I'd really think about that. Yeah, some developments from the, poker, uh, from the button in poker, like uh, 
One thing that's really gone down in effectiveness that I used to use a lot was 3-betting semi-bluffing, because for a long time people were just flatting, and that was really good, uh, because if they just flatted a lot of times they just check-folded or they got themselves into some dangerous situations. Uh, now, there's do now they're doing a lot of like very small 4-bets, which actually, like, if you go on Cardrunner's EV and you program that, it doesn't make your button 3-bet unprofitable, but it makes it a little less profitable. The weird thing is, is it, it, it's kind of like suicide bombing, right? Like, it doesn't make it profitable for the 4-better. It's just like, I hate you so much, I'm going to make sure neither of us make money here, right? It, it's, I, I, it, to me, it's a, the ultimate pissing for distance, right? The, uh -huh. These small four bets. A larger four bet can actually be a really good idea and put the three better in a very tough position is a great way to nullify your positional disadvantage. But a lot of guys do this very small four bet blow up the pot. And then if you get anything post flop, you have to get it in, in which case nobody's really making that much money. But at the same time, you didn't get exploited, which I guess is what some of these guys don't want to deal with. To me, I'll, I'll take being, you know, slightly exploited if it means I don't have to tank my tournament, which was always, to me, kind of the glory of the three-bet semi-bluff, which was even if the guy knows what you're doing a certain percentage of the time, it doesn't really help him. Uh, but anyway, uh, three-betting three I think you have to be a little, little better with. Similarly, people will overplay versus you. So, like, I used to just always flat eights and stuff like that. And uh, so, sometimes now I'll three bet that just because I know uh, the person I'm playing against is really likely to four bet fold or something like that. And I, I have a lot of uh, I have a lot of potential for my five bets. Uh, as far as like opening the button, I think it, it, this is really the heyday right now of opening the button because big blind just calls whatever they feel like. Uh, I, I see people call the big blind with like jack two offsuit, right? And uh, so I, I would make your raise sizes like 2.5x because when people just call and they check fold their life away, that's you really want them to do that with all the chips that they could possibly muster. So like 2.5x seems to be the largest bet size you can go with before people start going, oh, maybe I should think about this, right? They'll just go, okay, it's kind of a bigger raise, I'll call, and I'll just be a little more careful post-flop, which is really strange because if they're calling a larger raise from the big blind, they should be dog betting more, check raising more, floating out of position more. And if anything, they do all that stuff less because they're trying to be careful because, oh, this must be some old school player who has eights plus, ace queen off plus. But at the same time, I can't fold from the big blind because nobody folds from the big blind anymore, and I don't want to be unlike everybody else. So I, I, I'd really go in for more of those uh, 2.5x raises. Um, a lot of people are trying to work in limping the butt in. I, I, it just always seems to be some I, – if I saw people doing it with, like, aces, kings, and queens, I would like it more uh, because right now it just seems to always be suited connectors, and some of the better players take, take advantage of it uh, pretty well. Uh, when you flat the button these days, you have to assume – uh, when you flat a raise from the button, you have to assume the big blind's going to come with you. So in the old days, like ace-jack offsuit, I used to flat from the, uh, the button all the time. The, the blinds would fold, and I, I had a very good hand in position, heads up. Heads up is where you really want to be in uh, no limit hold'em because chances are your opponent's going to miss the board, and especially if you're heads up in position, it's really likely you can wrangle the pot away from them. However, uh, these days the big blind's really likely to come with you, 
And if that happens, if the big blind is really likely, uh, if the big blind is really likely to come with you, uh, that means the ace jack offsuit is going to go down in value. Uh, now this is an easily dominated hand in a multi-way pot, an easily dominated hand in a multi-way pot. And if you pay attention, what generally happens in multi-way pots is by the Turner River, the best hand is better than one pair. It tends to be two pair or better. And uh, ace-jack offsuit is wonderful at making one pair that's going to get really expensively the second best hand by the Turner River. So it's a little better that you're in position, but at the same time, it's not the be-all, end-all. However, people are doing a lot of silly four-bets. So you could three-bet get it in now with that ace-jack offsuit, or if you look at somebody's four-bet st statistic and you see they haven't four-bet light like ever in their life, uh, you could just three-bet fold. And I think that's a better play because these days people will flat you from ace-10 to ace-2 suited, which always kind of, which always really surprises me because those hands look really good, but I, I think it was understood for the first like eight years of online poker that these hands are really easily dominated and could get you into a lot of trouble. Yet over the last two years, people have uh, really just started saying pot odds, pot odds, pot odds, and they start calling. Uh, so be sure to three bet those uh, big cards. Those big card combinations are really good to uh, uh, three bet semi bluff with. And uh, I have an article. Uh, if you want to learn more about this, just Google three bet semi bluffing. I th I'm pretty sure it's the first. I, to my knowledge, I coined that phrase. I don't remember anybody talking about semi bluffing pre flop. And I, I'm sure someone probably did at some point, but. If, I'm, I think if you type three bet semi bluffing, pretty much all you're going to get is my article on it, and what I've said about it in different, uh, what I've said about it in different videos and whatnot. But uh, with the big cards, big cards make pairs, and uh, big cards make big pairs, and big pairs work really well in heads up pots. So three bet those. If you're going to flat flat the button, uh, I, I'd really recommend. Uh, flatting like your suited connectors, your suited aces, the hands that play really well multi-way. Uh, in the old days, I used to three bet like nine seven suited, ten eight suited uh, hands like that a lot of the time because they're just below my flatting range, but they're really powerful as uh, three bet bluffs, semi bluffs. But these days, I think you get a little extra value because if you flat those hands, it's really likely the big blind comes along and you get this hand that makes two pair or better really well in a pot where you have two guys are more trapped, really likely to make one pair that could become really expensive. So my semi-bluffing combinations, as far as the suited connectors go, have expanded a bit more from one gappers to some two gappers, as opposed, it, it, more like that. So if you do end up checking out you flat too much or the articles associated with three-bet semi-bluffing, that's one of the main differences. Okay, and... Uh we got time. Let's go to the last yeah, question. Let's go. It's the easy one. Um, it's from that was Tom. This one's Chris. Uh, hi guys. I'm planning a trip to Vegas this April. I'm going for two weeks, so I will be well before WSOP. I obviously can't wait to play poker, but not all the time. Any tips and hints of where I should play and either tournaments or cash? I enjoy both. Also, any other general Vegas tips would be great. Awesome. I always love this question. We did this question a long time ago. Yeah, I, I was going to say, question. if someone could go back and even we will add something to start about, if you search through the previous podcasts, 
Yeah, uh, in the notes or the title, there will be something about Vegas because we have done it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like if you guys want to check out that too. But we'll do this uh, too. Uh, there's a lot of good games in Vegas. Just go go to where the pros just don't want to go. So pros usually want to go places. Pro, I, I think professional poker players are kind of stupid. I, 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 I'm not I, – I always say that kind of as a joke. But when it comes to game selection, they're just awful. Like everybody wants to play at – the Bellagio, because it's the Bellagio, right? The Bellagio bar none has the toughest poker players, right? But if you go to, like, uh, the Flamingo or, like, the Orleans or something, nobody wants to go there because, oh, man, I had to take a shuttle and I waited 10 minutes and there was a guy with a toothpick picking at his <laughs> teeth. I had to tip the guy $1. And, oh, my God, I walked for 43 seconds outside and there wasn't air conditioning and I just don't know why I do this right it's just like everybody wants to play on poker stars even though it's the worst website in every way imaginable right mm-hmm. but like there's uh it, it just it just like I, I don't know when I was growing up it was always like where's the softest game and it was like well, this game is with drug dealers, and they keep shotguns on the table, and they smoke Oxycontin in front of you. But at the same time, they also don't know the hand rankings after a couple of hits. So, you know, and they, they're just ruled in thousands. So if we can get out of the building, we should be all right. And it's like, okay, let's go. And then, you know, and then I, you know, I become a professional. I go to Vegas, and it's like, <laughs> you know. I don't know if I like it here. They're allowed to smoke. And it's like, you pussy. Like, are you serious? Do the Johnny Chan, you know what I mean? Like, uh, open up an orange and sniff it. And, uh, yeah, I'd really recommend... uh, The Venetian always has some... I always like the Venetian games because a lot of professionals hate Sheldon Adelson or whatever his name is. And uh, it's, like, it's got the best... I mean, this just shows how little I care about online poker that I'm endorsing the Venetian. But like the Venetian, if you're out there with your, uh, if you're out there with your significant other, the Venetian's really good because there's a lot of stuff for them to do. There's like, you know, there's like a mall and they get to, you know, there's like a cafe and there's uh, a lot of like window shopping uh, that they can do. And at the same time, like it's really a comfortable place. Uh, to play poker like the chairs are really nice there there's like cell phone chargers underneath the table which to me is a huge deal uh the dealing staff always tends to be really polite to me like i've only had one i've only had one really bad dealer and i'm pretty sure i just caught him on a bad day whereas in the rio pretty much everybody and their mother is a horrible person right especially the grandmother but like uh there's uh there's like uh, we have a listener who's a Venetian dealer, by the way, he's an awesome dude, uh, Dustin. Uh, so shout out to him. He always says what's up, and it's uh, I really hope your name's Dustin. Otherwise, I'm gonna feel really <laughs> stupid. But like uh, that was, it. but like uh, uh, it, it's a it's a really good time out there, and uh, I, I always go down to downtown Vegas as well. There was just like really cheap sushi and like the four ninety nine steak dinners. Uh, I, I don't know if, if you're like a young guy and you're single, I, I would say like, don't even like get a hotel on the way out there. Right. If you're really trying to like, uh, maybe this isn't applicable to you, but like, if you're trying to bum it out there, 
I would just go to the card rooms, and a lot of those dealers are kind of grifters, right? But you, uh, you, you just ask a few of them, like, hey, where's the cheapest room in town? A lot of them will direct you to a place that's $29 a night, right? And the, it's not that far from the strip, right? And uh, Las Vegas is fun to me just, like, when you're bombing around, man. Like, that's when it's, like – I used to hate Vegas and then I got dead sober and I was out there and I was like, I love this place. Like this is just, it's so high variance, man. There's like just crushing heat, the dumbest Americans you've ever seen. And like, there's just so much going on though. And then, uh, yeah. Uh, what, what, what are really good games? Uh, anything downtown. Uh, I think the golden nugget has, a. I, they have a series out there that was really good when I played it. Just a lot of guys just like tanking tournaments to go out. And uh, I, th- I think the WPT 500s are supposed to be really soft. Anything at Planet Hollywood. You guys should really, uh, you should add, uh, I, I think it's uh, Carlos Welch. Just Google Carlos Welch. Uh, Carlos Welch, in my opinion, is the best at like finding deals. Pretty much wherever he's playing poker, he's, he, it's a good idea to follow. Right. And, uh, he also, wherever he's staying at, uh, like, and he likes to brag about how cheap he is, which is why he's the man, but like he, uh, wherever he's staying at or wherever he's going to play poker, that's a pretty good bet. You should, you should follow him. You guys all should be following him on Twitch. Uh, on Twitch, he's just Carlos Welch. You should, uh, you should be checking at all of his work out because he's a good person to follow for as far as that stuff. Uh, the places to not go, uh, the Rio, sadly, is where all the pros go. And it's just a lot of the, just a lot of the worst of the worst. Uh, I, I think the structures are just awful in WSOP. I hate the Rio. I hate John Wood was like, he pointed out one time, he was like, have you ever seen how the women just look dead and then they force them to dance? In the real, I was like, that is the saddest thing I've ever heard. And yeah, that's really yeah. true. And I, you know, I'm just so jaded. I just walk by and go, whatever. Right? Like, you know, like, hey, dance. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's, uh, but like, yeah, I mean, like, the real is good if you're going to go play a WSOP event. But I don't know. Just something about that place really. That's the only place I've ever won a live tournament, too, is the Rio. So I, you would think I'd have more of an affinity for it. But, yeah. uh, Actually, it's kind of funny. Like, the daily tournaments are pretty fun. Like, there's a lot of, like, funny people from Vegas. Yeah, I, I enjoyed those, the daily tournament. You won one. I final tabled one. I, nice. I got fifth. Obviously, that, that's the difference between the, you know, the professional and the amateur. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, but, yeah, I just felt the real, like, it was so just run down. Yeah. And very yeah. tired. Very tired it was. Maybe not run down, but just tired yeah even the outside of it and the rooms and i remember getting back to my room um when i got like fifth in that tournament and i came back and i was starving i was like i'll get some room service and i phoned it it was like literally it made me think of like casino when he's like now you want room service you order it and you're lucky if you get it wednesday afternoon sort of thing (laughs) you know if you order it so I phoned and they were like, oh, there's currently a two-hour wait on room service. I was like, uh, just, just forget it, you know. Yeah. And that's not me being pure at all, like, poor me, I had to wait on my room service. It was literally, you're getting screwed on the price, but I, I just wanted to, like, eat my room. But I was like, fuck that, I can go down to, like, one of the food places and have food and then come back up. Right, right, exactly. Like, 
Yeah, but um, like you say about the big ones, the Venetian, the Bellagio, you got to go and play them just to see them and experience. Yeah, you have to go see. Uh, you have to go see yeah. the Bellagio, and it was a, yeah, crazy can, casino bars in our battle. By the way, if you guys are a fan of the movie Casino, uh, you you will really enjoy the rap battle because for some reason there's like 20 bars about casino. But yeah, uh, there's a. Uh, uh, what what was the other thing I was going to say about Vic? No, I remember the Rio. It was like 2009. I was there the first time, and I was smoking cigarettes in one of the suites, and I, I felt like I was in the movie Casino because the suites were so run down, and they had that 70s decor, and everything yeah. smelled like smoke already. And uh, it, everything smelled like smoke already, and I was like, well, I guess this is crap Vegas. This is something everybody everybody used to talk about, right? And... Uh, yeah, so what else should you check out? I mean, you should also just have fun while you're out in Vegas. Like, honestly, you can play poker in a lot of different places around the world. And a lot of times the games will be pretty soft around. I don't believe poker's getting tougher, especially live. I don't think it's getting tougher. Uh, I, every year I go there, it doesn't seem to get much worse. Uh, everybody gets their little things that they're obsessed with, and that's about it. Um, I would... Uh, I'd recommend go see the Pinball Hall of Fame. And uh, that's pretty much my favorite place in Vegas, like, ever. It's just you walk in, it's like every classic pinball and uh, every classic video game, arcade game, and pinball machine. There's one pinball machine in there. There's only three in the world. And it's, like, it's incredible, right? It's uh, I'll need to go there. I'm going in October. Uh, I, I've never been there. I've been twice before, but I've never been to the pinball. Oh, dude, it's amazing. All yeah. it is is a warehouse with a bunch of games. <laughs> like, yeah. it's, it's amazing. But you can find, like, the original Super Mario. Uh, the, I mean, the original, like, Mario Brothers arcade cabinet. The original, uh, it, it, the original uh, like, God, what was I going to say? Uh, like, everything there like zelda and the it, just the stuff you forget there was even an arcade cabinet for right punch yeah. out like i forgot punch out was an arcade cabinet there right uh be, you know go to downtown have a good time down there uh, you gotta walk the strip once and just sweat your ass off uh go go to some shows uh go, don't ever pay at the venue because that's gonna be twice the price you would pay at like a half price tickets or something like that uh, go, oh, do the Ferris wheel. I think we didn't have that in the last one. Uh, do the, they have the biggest Ferris wheel in the world there. And it's like an, it's like an air conditioned hour long trip. My wife and I uh, did it last year and it was just the most fun you can imagine. Like it was just so cool. Like you can see so far because you forget it's like the desert and it's flat, you know? So it just, yeah. it just goes forever. And if you're a real baller, I did this once one year, which was I paid $400 to go on a tour of the Grand Canyon in a in a chopper, right, which was really badass. <laughs> like, and then on the way up, they go, do you have an iPhone? Yeah. Do you want to play music? So I played some uh, the band Raunchy, which is like really triumphant metal. And, you know, it's in the headphones and your helicopter and you're flying over the strip. And I was like, I am the king. Like, this is awesome, right? Uh, what, uh, what, else, what else can you do in Vegas? Uh, say everybody, I think you got to see David Copperfield just once in your life. Because 
I put off Siegfried and Roy, and uh, yeah, we all know how that turned out. And then uh, <laughs> I didn't even mean for that to be a joke, but everybody laughs when I say that. Like, I just laugh at Siegfried and Roy all the time. Anyway, it's like uh, yeah. they are those total like Vegas. You know, I, I went to see Penn and Teller; they were excellent. And funnily enough, they were at the Rio. Oh and, yeah, uh, that, was a, that was a really really good show, actually. Um, but the David Copperfield, uh, yeah, I should do that as well. I, I'm actually making this, making notes because uh, David Copperfield has got to be done. You know, it's uh, David Copperfield's like seem like a, it, it's like if Walt Disney had a magic show. It's like it, it's really clearly a guy who's obsessed with. It really sucks though. I really wish I was really into magic when I was a kid, just like reading about it, right? Like how they did yeah. it and all that. And it, it really sucked at the Penn and Teller show because I knew how they did like everything. Right. Mm -hmm. And I was just like, oh, this is so weak. Right. And then, like, when I saw David Copperfield, I was like, I have no idea how he did that. Right. That was and there there were sometimes there were he does this really clever thing. Okay, I figured out a couple of the tricks. Right. And then I Googled it later and I figured it out. Right. By the way, crazy culture with magicians like they take down these websites that explain Mm -hmm. tricks. And they try to do like, you know, that's intellectual property. You can't talk yeah. about that. And it's, yeah, but I, I, they do this really clever thing. Okay. Okay. He does this thing where it's like, I'm going to randomly select someone. He throws a Frisbee into the crowd. Right. And uh, he'll be like, okay, now pass it to the first woman in that row. And then it's like, oh my God, I see what he's doing. He puts like 20 people. It looks super random. Right. Like, I just threw, but what he does is there's 20 people there that he put in, right, that are part of his show, and as long as he gets it in that circle that's like 10 square meters, right, he's fine, right? So, and if you watch how he throws it, it's not how you would throw a Frisbee, it's like straight up and down, right, as if you were like throwing a carton of something into the trash can. I was like, uh, but it took me a while to figure that one out, which I, I thought was really... I thought that was really clever, though, because, like, how the hell, you know, did he... Yeah, you think it's so random. Yeah, yeah, exactly, and I just love trying to figure that stuff out. you got to see One Circa Day, Soleil show. Uh, I really recommend Ka. Everybody everybody else recommends O. Oh, I, I, I don't know why. I love... Ka was the one that killed somebody, so I think they changed it a bit, but uh, that's <laughs> the one about war, and... Uh, it, it it's uh, it's pretty badass. O's the one about water, which is really good as well. Uh, I don't know. Don't play, don't play table games. Oh, go to the New York, New York. Go to. Uh, I really like the New York, New York casino because they have another arcade and they have a roller coaster, which is really badass. And then there's a there's a Mexican restaurant that's really good. Their uh, Cirque de Soleil is not that interesting though. It's just essentially a bunch of cussing clowns but it's <laughs> which was fascinating the first 15 minutes but like uh afterward it was like okay that's the one that was like everybody's nude and everything right. and it, which you know you think oh this is going to be great then you go in and see the people that are about to be nude and it's like oh god like <laughs> oh no <laughs> oh no <laughs> like you know, my wife was all like, you know, she she was thinking she was going to be jealous. And then at the end, she was like, no, nope. <laughs> not with them. Like, but yeah, uh, I, I don't know. What else would you recommend, Barry, doing out? Uh, lots like the uh, obviously 
the free thing, you know, Bellagio Fountains, got to see them. I mean, they're on every, like, quarter past and quarter oh, three or yeah, something. yeah, good point. I mean, they're pretty spectacular when you see that them the first time. And then, yeah, just go through, like, the big famous casinos to see, like, the scale of them and see what they're like, like Caesars Palace and the Bellagio, the Venetian, um, MGM and all. I think the Luxor's cool as well, which is, like, way, you know, right at the oh, end. Oh, yeah. Uh, like, towards the airport sort of thing. Uh, it's a cool building. And, um, yeah, just, like, take advantage of, like, you know, I was talking to Alex before this about uh, my trip in October, and, like, I'm staying downtown for the first, uh, like, seven, eight nights, uh, first eight nights it is, because, like, one, it's cheaper room down there, I've been twice before, I don't really need to be on the strip every night, like, up and down and, you know, trying to, like, go around there, and, Downtown's got a real, like, what I consider, what I thought Vegas would be like before I went. Mm. And it's, like, old, very old-school Vegas. And there's a lot of interest in little shops and stores and things to see around that area, Fremont Street, etc. And uh, it is quite rough, you know, up there. So if you are going up to the, the Strip, then get a taxi or a bus or whatever, because I remember going up there to that Pawn Stars shop, you know, where Pawn oh, Stars yeah, yeah, and I went in there and stuff, and, like, there's very sketchy places around there, like, cash, uh, check cashing places and pawn stores and, yeah, yeah. you know, uh, a lot of shady characters hanging around. So, yeah, don't walk down there with, like, a big $100 bills in your pocket. <laughs> uh, you know, with a white face. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm not trying to be like that. I just mean, you know, just sticking out like a tourist. Yeah. Um, you know, there are uh, all sorts of criminals from all races. Uh <laughs> <laughs> We're just trying to make that clear. But uh, normally... Uh, no, I'm joking. That's such a um, great disclaimer so, to put in yeah. front of our product. Criminals yeah, come but, in all races. Yeah, it's true, though. Like, that area is quite cagey, though. But also, like, the, the Golden Nuggets cool down there. The the pool. I was I stayed there for a couple of nights one time, and they've got, like, the shark, the chute, the flume, the water chute that goes through the oh, yeah. shark tank and stuff like that. And you're swimming around the pool, and you're in close to the aquarium and the sharks and fish and stuff swimming around it's very cool and yeah all the stuff alex mentioned like downtown's got yeah you know the all you can eat steak and lobster for like nine dollars you know just to get you in the door and they've got um, all the shrimp cocktails for like a dollar and stuff like that and lots of food i you know enjoy the food and drink and stuff and like frozen margaritas for 90 cents and all this stuff and downtown's good for all that and, like, you see all the old women and men, like, in their uh, invalidity scooters with their oxygen uh, <laughs> bottles, like, no, sitting, no. On the sl- yeah, sitting on the slot machines, you know. Uh, it's pretty nuts. But, yeah, it's an amazing place. But definitely, like, from what you said, not all the time. Like, don't play poker all the time. Just even wander around and, you know, have some drinks, enjoy it. People watching is good fun in Vegas and... Yeah, you'll you'll have a good time. You know, you you got to see the place once in your life. I say that to everyone. You got to see it. And few more before we go. Uh, if you rent a car, be sure to go out to Ma- Mount Charleston. It's a complete different climate zone just outside of Vegas. You'll see trees in the rain, and you can like go hiking. And uh, there's a restaurant there that's incredible. You're gonna eat like buffalo burgers and stuff like that, right? It's a uh, it's amazing, and they have craft beers. Uh, it's really good. If you just, like, Google, you know, what, whatever it is, Yelp, Mount Charleston, uh, Nevada, you're going to find uh, every, everything there. And you'll find whatever restaurant I'm talking about because I can't remember the name of it. And uh, 
dang it, I had one more to, I had one more place everybody had to see, but I forgot about it. So uh, now, now that's going to bug me. I mean, there's lots of like just cheap fun to go out there and do. Like there's, you know, I, it, I would just Google like what's going on there. There's like ATV tours and like bowling and stuff like that. And just trying to have something different that you do every day is a really good time, you know what I mean? And trying all the different cuisine and all that. And right now I'm stalling because I had one really good one. I can't remember what it was. <laughs> but, oh, I mean, well, also, like, if you're out there with your significant other, go to the outlet malls at some point. They have some really good, like, I do a lot of my shopping every year at the outlet malls because I'll get, like, I'll get, like, a Calvin Klein shirt, which is, like, $65 if I buy it in Seattle, it's a hundred dollars in Costa Rica because they have crazy import taxes. Cause you know, that's going to prop up all the local clothes distributors, none of which exist. Uh, <laughs> but I mean, seriously, that's their rationale. Like every electronic that comes in here has an 80% tax and they say, we're going to, this is going to help the local electronics maker. Have you yeah. ever heard of a computer made by a Costa Rican ever <laughs> in your life? Have you ever heard of that? But yeah, anyway. Yeah. Uh, so uh, but yeah, like I'll get it in Vegas for like ten dollars. It's really good. Anyways, let's wrap this up. I got a lesson to get to. Yeah, let's wrap it up. Okay, thanks for all the questions. In that was a good technical uh, show again, but also the little Vegas uh, that everyone likes to talk about. And um, keep your questions coming for Alex through questions at oneouter dot com email. That is the preference. But if you don't like email, etc., then tweet them um, or Facebook them. But email is the easiest and should be uh, the best way for you to do it. Alex, how can people get in touch with you for private coaching, twitching, and all their other stuff? Check out twitch.tv slash theassassinato to uh, see all of the times I'm uh, Twitch broadcasting. We're doing it a little different these days, guys, where it's... Essentially, I found out most people who checked out my channel and never came back again. It's because they watched it once and there was music on. They said, well, this is boring. So I'm just Twitch streaming when I'm deep in tournaments, which hasn't happened in a few days, by the way. So sorry about the lack of any content coming out. But uh, yeah, uh, check out twitch.tv slash The Assassin Auto. Uh, sign up for card runners. Use promo code FREEMONTH, all capital letters. Uh, t to get two months access to 2,000 plus videos for just $30. Uh, check out PokerHeadRush.com. That's my blog website. Check out all the trip reports, uh, blogs, reviews, battle rap, all that good stuff. Sign up for my newsletter. Please sign up for the newsletter. If you do nothing else, that's the most important thing you can do because I love, you know, everybody can check out an email. That's the fastest way to get in touch with you guys. And I will not I, I I will not disrespect that trust. I'll just be sending you strategy content all the time. So be sure to sign up for that. And uh, you can write me at assassinatocoaching at gmail.com for uh, uh, training. Uh, follow me on Twitter at the assassinato. Uh, and I, you know, oh, and if you sign up for americascardroom.com, you can get a free copy of any webinar except for why Ape Styles is right. All you got to do is write me at assassinatocoaching.gmail.com, your sign-in name, uh, your screen name, and your email address. And once we prove that you made a deposit, uh, we're just going to go ahead and send you one of the copies of those videos. So, yeah, be sure to do that. And uh, thank you guys for tuning into this podcast. Yeah, until the next time, thanks for listening. Cheers. Cheers. 
Every day at America's Card Room, players just like you are scoring big in record time with Jackpot Poker. Jackpot Poker is a super fast three-player online poker set and go. You pick the buy-in, and after all three players are seated, we randomly pick the jackpot. Yep, just three players. No more, no less. And for most jackpot poker tournaments, it's winner take all. Imagine turning a $40 buy-in into the ultimate $100,000 game of poker. Anything could happen with jackpot poker. Play it now at America's Card Room.